Hello and welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me as always is Curtis. Curtis, how are you doing? Got a gold. Yeah, you got that nice, uh, you got a nice radio voice right now. Four-year-old has given me his germs and it's vile. (laughs) It's rotten. Did he sneeze in your mouth? What's that? Did he sneeze into your mouth? He just sticks his tongue out and like licks my whole entire face any chance he gets. He thinks it's, it's fun. It's a cat bat. Yeah. It's like, and yeah. children are petri dishes of uh of yeah. viruses and disease. It's yeah. a, it's a non it's a non-COVID cold for any listener that might be worried that, you know, I don't like stick something up my nose to check. I'm 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 clear. I've taken the test. I don't have the COVIDs. Good news. Uh, and for those who don't know Curtis that well, I can vouch that he has been exceptionally careful. Exceptionally careful. I've yes. never gotten I, the COVIDs. And yeah. you've just been super aware mm. and cognizant of everyone else's needs in your family and outside of your family. Yeah, you're the survivor in the zombie apocalypse. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, the Kraken just won five to four against the Calgary Flames off of uh Maddie Beneer's game winning goal. How about that? Kraken putting together some wins. It's pretty they're third in the division right now, which is uh which is pretty exciting. Uh Alana, how are you doing? I am doing okay. Very glad that we're past October. So I am too. You know what else I'm glad about? What uh the Phillies just beat the crap out of oh, yeah. the Astros. Like I turned it on, it was just like, okay, just like, give me a first pitch home run. And then Bryce Harper <laughs> stepped up there and just drove it. It was, it was great. And Beautiful. Was, one of my best friends is a Phillies fan. And so we were talking through, and I like there, as much as I love when my team gets there and does the thing, there's something else that's special when somebody else's team does it too. Yeah. As long as you, as long as you're okay with that person and that team like if i i have a friend who's an astros fan and like we don't really talk during this time of year because he's a real (laughs) prick about it um but like this friend of mine is like like and last year another friend of mine was a braves fan um and so it's it's been fun to watch them kind of experience this and i'm really like if, if the phillies win this year then i'm convinced that, the the that, Mariners uh, are going next year. The Mariners are going next year because uh, 100%. That, that means that Twitter guy has to be a time traveler. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that Twitter guy is now like four for four or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Twitter guy, you're giving us hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Millie, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going all right. Yep. How's, yeah. the, how's, how's, the, how's the fantasy team? Oh, not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I don't mean to laugh at you. No, it's okay. I lost. Millie that. having a down you, year. You didn't start Barkley last week, did you? No, yeah, no I don't no. have him. Um, on one of my teams, <laughs> I, I had many of the breakout players. It was a big week in fantasy scoring, uh, but it wasn't enough. I still got beat by like 80 points. The person I was against wow. went off. Every wow. player they had went off. Um and so I lost both my regular leagues this week, uh, but I'm number one in the guillotine league. So, you know, 
at least one of my teams is really going well. Yeah, you you got a championship that that you can get. Um. Uh. Well, you know, uh, the Seahawks are not so quietly putting together a resume uh, and going after a championship of their own. The Seahawks got the hot, the red hot six and one Giants coming to town. Um. And then just thoroughly beat the shit out of them. Um. And uh, it was another. Uh, the game wasn't as close as that score. You know, it could have been. It could have been. Um by three scores if mm-hmm. uh, if we didn't have an uncharacteristic Tyler Lockett drop in the end zone um, and uh, uh, fumble uh, on the five-yard line. Um, you know, those two plays really swung that point differential. Also by Tyler Lockett. Okay. Yeah, also by Tyler Lockett. His but first Lockett- offensive fumble in his career. That's that's insane. But he did he he did have his redemption moment uh, when Gino hit him on that uh, that huge thirty yard touchdown, and uh, that was beautiful. On just like a scorching double move, like that double move was disgusting. That just broke the ankles off that DB. Was so fun to watch. The whole game was so fun to watch, and those players were having fun playing. Um, once again, the defense came up as MVP. Um, I, I didn't know. I didn't think that this defense could play nastier than they've been playing. Uh, and yet they did. They were bullies. I mean, they were laying hits on everybody. They were intimidating those players. Um, this man, I, I keep saying it, but this defense is more and more resembling that famous Pete Carroll, 2013, 2014. Um, it just in the attitude, um, I love, you know, there, there were moments where the DBs were playing off of those receivers a little bit, you know, let them get that five yard, you know, six yard catch and then just blowing them up, like making them pay for it. And it's almost like, it's a strategy. Like, yeah, sure. We'll let you get that little catch. And then we're just going to make you pay for it. Um, I loved it. Uh, I loved everything about that game. Um, in particular, uh, I Waldron wrote like a bonus chapter to his playbook or something. Like there were plays coming out of that playbook that I have never seen before. Um, like he was some dark wizard uh, in his study this week, just like scrawling spells in his playbook. Um, and it was beautiful to watch. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it. Uh, if I were to give the game ball away to, uh, to that game, I would give it to Shane Waldron um, because uh, there were some beautiful drives and beautiful plays. Uh, Alana, what did you see from it? Uh, how does it compare from what we've seen from Shane Waldron before? And is this, uh, is this the, the Gino effect? Yeah, no. So, so I think what the primary reflection that I'm seeing here in that regard is the fact that he has a quarterback, Shane Waldron has a quarterback who will execute his game plan and vision to exactly his demands, right? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say demands is probably not the right word, but as he draws it, his design. So, can you see Russell Wilson? executing a play where he goes up to make an audible and then walks down the line telling everybody as the ball is direct snapped to oh, Kenneth Walker the third it was, like, oh my god there's no way I've never seen that play before I have ne- yeah. you're right like there was some some fancy magic there um now I can see Russell doing the Will Disley shuttle pass 
But sure. that really looked like an RPO to me, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was a design shovel pass. Um, and if it was a design shovel pass, then that's not something Russell would do. Russell would only do that in kind of like a last minute, like toss, like, you know. Right, uh, right. Where he was trying to be Pat Mahomes. But so with, with all that in mind and how that, that offense played, and you're absolutely right. There, the creativity was flourishing throughout it. And because he has Gino, he can he can go where he wants to go and do yeah. what he wants to do. Um, but what it, what it kind of really highlights for me is the fact that there is one. There are maybe three. Okay, I'm going to step back for a second here. Yeah, this season of football has featured some of the worst football. I have ever seen. I am tremendously bored with the league. Like mm. watching those Thursday night games, they're oh. fucking terrible. Oh, they're watching terrible. the Monday night games, they're terrible. They had Buffalo and Green Bay on. It was a snooze fest, you know. And, I think the, normally... the Seahawks Giants were the only was the only game uh where teams with two winning, two winning record records teams. were playing right, each right. other. That's crazy. And, and so what that, that comes down to, to for me is there are three or four teams that are fun to watch right now that's it the seahawks happen to be one of them and i say that not as a homer but i say that as somebody who is like appreciates good football and appreciates mm-hmm. watching good football i can watch the bills play for like hours on end because <laughs> that team executes and that team has really good players and that team just created things on offense and defense i can watch pat mahomes play for hours on end I can watch these Seahawks play for hours on end. When they came up with, you know, we were talking in our chat about like who we might trade for, or what type of extra weapons we need um, if we did at the trade deadline. There was a point in the second quarter, I think, or maybe early third, where they were talking about how uh, Gino had completed passes to nine different players. Yeah. And that's exceptional. That's outstanding yeah. because. The other part of that is that any of those nine players could break it open. I could see D- DJ Dallas going for a long touchdown. Travis Homer, uh, obviously, uh, K-9, uh, any of the tight ends, Marquise Goodwin, DK, Lockett. I could even see Petty Hart getting in there. I could see D. Eskridge getting in there and uh, scoring along at Tutters. So, like, mix that with the way that Pete Carroll and Clint Hurd adjusted the defense so that it would match the skill sets and communication styles of the players involved. Like there's no, there's, there honestly isn't a more fun team to watch in the NFL and add to that, how much they care about each other, how much they're rooting one another on and how much that they want to win as a team. And like, it's, it's fun. It's fun. And like, Football this year otherwise isn't fun. Watching Tampa Bay play a football game Oof. is not fun. Oh, or Watching Green Bay? Or Green Bay, or the Rams, or the Cardinals, or the Raiders, or, you know, the Broncos, or anybody in the AFC. Yeah, North. even the like, Bengals, like, are, that game was horrible. That game was horrible. They got Cleveland beat down. Won. They got beat down, but the Cleveland, all Cleveland did was hand it to Chubb, who ran it. Exactly. Like, that's it. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, and a good running football can be good, but that was not good running football. 
that was just one team running the ball and the other team not stopping it. That was you like, know? I'm playing like, Madden and I'm just spamming the run because it works. Totally. totally. And so like, I, I can't think outside of the bills in Kansas city and maybe the Eagles, but I'm not really a, like, I like Hertz is interesting, but I don't like watching them play necessarily. Like yeah. the Seahawks are the most fun team. Yeah, I agree. I I, I would say uh, I'll throw the Cowboys in there. I think the Cowboys mm. are are fun to watch too. Um, their running back man is uh, he's Tony he's Pollard. cool. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Uh. Yeah. So um. I I, I don't know. I I haven't seen a, a Seahawks offense hum like this. I mean, even when Russell was at his best, it didn't look disciplined like it looks disciplined I, I i you know i've said it before but man doug baldwin would fucking love to play in this offense right now mm-hmm. okay. um the other thing that uh that uh i i took interest in was the fact that Pete carroll and shane waldron trust that offense enough to go for it on fourth down twice in the same drive um nice. and knowing that 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 offense will get a touchdown. I don't think there was a doubt in their minds in either Pete mm-hmm. Carroll or Shane Waldron that they were going to turn that drive into a touchdown. There was a doubt in my mind. There was <laughs> right? doubt. In my yeah, mind. I know. When, I was then, like, this is this is ballsy. All right, I don't know. The how first one, I was like, Are we not just want uh, to take the points. Like, I, I know. Nothing, nothing I was I was, I was a little doing? bit on Millie's side on that one. I was saying, like, I'm a sort of take the points and stuff. When oh, I'm, I'm a go for it on fourth. I'm like, please go for it on fourth. Like fourth yeah. and two. If it's fourth and three or less, go for it. I will say, I do think, uh, I mean, I think that's brilliant because that was the first touchdown of the game, and uh, I think one of the only ones. <laughs> for quite a while. Um, but once the Seahawks got that touchdown, it felt like the game was theirs. Like it, it just felt like momentum was on their side and, uh, and they were going to take it away. Um, the other, uh, the other play I really liked, uh, and this swung the, uh, uh, the win, the Seahawks win from like 60% to 80% was when Shelby Harris laid out to get uh, a running uh, Jones and tackle him short of a, of the fourth down marker. Um, and uh, I don't know, eight minutes into the fourth quarter, something like that to, I mean, that was essentially ice the game. That that was pretty much it. Um, that's but, a defensive tackle running a guy who is probably yeah. like 80 pounds lighter than him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, play I loved, and I don't know who it was. I bet Curtis, you do, but um, somebody on the defense <laughs> came <laughs> running through and hit Daniel Jones so hard he hits him. Oh, Bruce, 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 and it just dominoed over. And it was that, like, was, that, was, that was that was just that was just pure old man strength and determination yeah. right there. And, he played and, great. And just, you know, he was and just so anticipation good. of what was going to come. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just, was, I love that, that place so much. <laughs> Anytime you can use a human to tackle, I mean, just ass and he off. just ragdolled Daniel Jones. Yeah, too. <laughs> just like get out of my way. Right? <laughs> Threw him right into. Barkley, that was awesome. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and speaking of like holding Saquon Barkley to 53 yards, I like geez. I mean, good god. On 20 carries on 20 carries. Yeah, yeah I mean like two and a half yards a carry on average. A guy who you know, up through this game, all the hype 
the that that whole week was about like what's Seattle going to do with Barkley? How are they going to stop Barkley? How are they going to stop Jones? How are they? Gonna... I mean, and then and they they didn't just stump stop them. They they thumped them. Yeah, I mean, it was like I mean. You know, I mean, the Seattle defense had, had been taking quite a lot of heat and, you know, rightfully so, because they didn't have their shit together in the first few games of the season. But when Hurt made that adjustment, adjustment up front and made it more aggressive, I just think it clicked with everybody in the front. Yeah. I mean, I mean they guys were that we thought were liabilities at linebacker are all of a sudden just <laughs> balling the fuck out like like Brooks uh, just totally like stoned uh Saquon Barkley behind the line of scrimmage and you could just kind of like sense in that replay like Barkley hadn't felt that kind of hit yeah like, you know up through this point in the season yeah and That's then great. Ochenna having another two sacks on the game <laughs> like what a signing I, I mean god yeah, uh, it's just incredible. Everything that's happening. And then, you know, that's not to take away from, you know, the rookies. Tariq Wollin should have had another interception, you know, that uh, just bounced right off his hands. And um, boy, this team is a whole lot of fun to watch. Uh, oh, one more. Uh, uh, I was watching this. I don't think it was caught on the TV cameras, um, but uh, social media was posting it. And it was Kenneth Walker's touchdown. Um, the play that Waldron drew up, uh, you see it's, it, 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 it starts out developing, right? And DK actually runs to the corner <laughs> of the end zone and pulls the DB and then the, and then the run play actually develops in earnest. So it's almost like Waldron shows pass to the, the two outside DBs before turning it into like a full-on run play and just got two like got two of those guys right off the line i mean number one dk being able to sell that and and get his guy but waldron creating that play because he knows the giants are so good in their goal line stand that he needs to spread them out a little bit i I, I I was just blown away by it. I mean, that is really, really creative. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited. I mean, now we finally have uh, a creative offense, you know, to compete with uh, Shanahan and McVay and stuff like that. Um, I don't, and I don't know, McVay's looking a little rusty right now. Um, but amazing to me on, on the sort of, who are fun teams to watch because as much as the early schedules are set, I don't believe things like America's game of the week is. And the idea that, you know, all week long, it's talked about the only two teams with winning records who are playing each other Mm -hmm. are the Seahawks and the giants. But America's game of the week is going to be two California teams playing each other. Let's go watch the Rams and the Niners in a market that could give a shit. Like, what are you doing? You might as well play that in London for for all like they had fans there. Um, And then the Niners just as they do beat the shit out of the Rams. But what is it? Eight games they've in a row. They 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 ten games. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, Niners, uh, look out. Niners that was are actually kind good. of watching their highlight plays was, was pretty fun. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's, uh, day in the sun, uh, was, Christian McCaffrey's great when he's healthy. 
in 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 three weeks, you know, he's going to come down with like that season ending ankle injury. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so next week uh, we go to uh, Arizona and we take on the Cardinals for um, the second time this season. Um, how do you think that's going to go, Alana? You know, the they, the Seahawks were able to handle him a couple weeks ago. Is it going to be the same uh, in 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 sunny Arizona? So that that building is kind of our house of horrors. Um, yeah, and I can see us putting up a like real stinker potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, what better team to break that kind of trend than this mm-hmm. one, right? Like, I feel like I, I feel like DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a big have a big impact on that game i feel like um the improved defense will have a big impact on that game i think tyreek Bolin might come away with a pick um i don't i don't i genuinely don't know what to expect uh it's it's a little baffling to me that the um cardinals are favored uh granted it's a, a three-point um line so it's they're they're not they're favored because they're at home right um you know, I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but what I will say is that if the Seahawks do win, I think that knocks the Cardinals out for the year. I don't think they're coming back from what would be what three and six. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and they I still have they, to play the Niners. I think they still have to play the Niners twice, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Out. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're coming back from that, which is great. And then that puts us uh, another game, you know, keeps distance between us and, and the Niners and the Rams. Um, but I think that if we win that, I think we're winning. I think we're going to win in Germany. I think we would go into the bye seven and three. Seven and three. Um, which to me then looks like, oh, if we would have got our, gotten our defense together, together a little earlier because two of our losses were to Atlanta and New Orleans and you yeah. know, those teams look great. I mean, it looks okay, Atlanta but... looks okay. Atlanta yeah. looks okay. Pete Carroll was, was saying that same thing. He was just kind of like, man, if we could have had this defense earlier in the season, you know, we would be right. in such a great position right now. Yeah. So I think if I'm going to make a prediction on this game, I really don't know where to go. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with my heart on it. I'm going to say the Seahawks win in a sloppy 23 to 15 game. Ah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. that was going to be my uh, that was going to be my score too. Uh, <laughs> number one, they're always weird. So you know, like 15 points. You know, yeah. Uh, but Arizona it's always five field goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but it's always a slobber knocker in Arizona. It's always mm-hmm. hard, and it always comes down to like one judo chop fumble on the goal line. Turf down there, they got that. Awful they do turf down there. They do. Um, yeah, I think they're going to play a little bit better. Uh, but again, it's going to be a weird game. Uh, but, uh, chaos ball always favors Seattle. Um, so I'm also saying 15 to 23, um, Curtis, what do you got? I think the Seahawks are going to win comfortably. I think it's going to be, I'm going to say, uh, 33, 17. Oh, wow. Uh, I like it. They, um, 
the way I see it, I think Seattle tends to do better down in Arizona than when they play <laughs> at home. Yeah. We just get injured there all the time. That, that happens. Uh, it does. I mean, there was that horrible game that was back in 2017 when we lost Sherman and Sherman Chancellor. and Chancellor. Um, okay. And it was that horrible, gruesome sort of slug it out tie at the end. The six to six tie. That game yeah. was so much fun to watch, though. Uh, it was. I mean, it was a bruiser. It was a total slobber knocker. Yeah. I. I here's what I think. Um, Seattle fans, the Twelves travel very, very comfortably down there. A lot of times, there's almost as many Seahawks fans in that stadium as there yeah. are Arizona Cardinal fans. Um, I think Seattle is definitely the hotter team right now. The Arizona, as I've been sort of reading up on the Arizona Cardinals, they're still banged up on that offensive line. They're going to be without their starting center. And guess what the strength of the Seahawks defense is right now? It's the defensive yeah. line. Yeah. And so I think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to put a lot of, and, and they don't have, they don't, they don't have the run game back down there in Arizona. So they're going to face another, yet another one dimensional offense like they faced, you know, three weeks ago in Arizona and they faced down in LA against the Chargers. Uh, Arizona is going to have to pass it a lot. I think it's going to, I mean, I think Murray, it's going to be the same exact thing that happened mm -hmm. up in Seattle. I think it's going to be a comfortable win. I think Seattle is, um, and they, Seattle might be even more on a roll offensively right now. Like I think, you know, Gino yeah. put up, has put up better numbers in previous games. I actually think the game that he just played against the Giants might have been his best game of the agreed, season. Agreed, agreed. He should have had about four touchdown passes. There was yes. drops, yeah. Balls. There was, you know, there was just. I think there were like six yeah. drops, right? Like yeah. I think he yeah. could have been twenty nine of thirty four. I just think the way that teams are trending right now, I think momentum's on Seattle's side, and Seattle probably feels like if they can beat the Cardinals right now, that the Cardinals season is like toast. They're done. They're cooked. And yeah. that's like one less divisional opponent they have to worry about. So there's an opportunity for Seattle. Do you think, uh, do you think that uh, they hold Kyler Murray to, um, you know, under a hundred yards rushing this time? Um, possibly. Yeah. You know, I mean, they'll probably, you know, he, he'll get his, but you know, they, I could see him also throwing some picks. I can see him fumbling again. I can see yeah. him being, you know, I mean, Seattle might have a better, you know, a more comfortable idea of how to put a spy on him this time around with mm -hmm. the, the new linebackers and everything. Like, I just think that I think, I, I, I think Seattle's Seattle's a confident team right now. No, yeah. we call the Arizona Cardinals a confident team right now. Absolutely, and the not. quarterback is yelling and having temper tantrums at the head coach. I, I mean, mean this is, is his worst season so far, right? What's that? Yeah. This is yeah, his worst I mean, season so far. I mean, they've got they've got Hawkins back, and he's a great player. But we have arguably like a top five cornerback right yeah. now that is taking mm -hmm. the field away. So right. I mean, how much is is Hopkins going to be able to do? Yeah. yeah, and Ryan Neal's playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, uh, Millie, how do you think it's going to go? I don't, you know, I always come in thinking I know what I want to do, and then Curtis talks, and it all just <laughs> goes out the window. And um, I came in, you know, they've just they've been our kryptonite, and and uh, we're going to their house, but they're so bad this year. 
but even when they're bad, they usually beat us and we beat them. And, and, and I'm just in that like back and forth, back and forth of who am I going to pick? All right, and, can I influence it a little bit, Millie? Yeah. So usually, usually the way it goes is that we, the, the two teams beat each other in their own homes and Seattle already got it at home. So, you know. Yeah, Seattle holds the better all over record between the two. It's true. I'm looking at the stats right now for Arizona um, against their opponents as far as, you know, the full stats for the entire year all added up Mm. and they are, they're losing. Like regardless regardless of the actual game, like field goals, 12 for 13 opponents, 15 for 16 touchdowns, 19 opponents, 24, like (laughs) they should have zero wins according to these statistics, right? (laughs) Like they, they do not stack up against their opponents in any way, shape or form. But every time I pick the Hawks to beat the Cardinals, it doesn't happen. So Oh, ah. here's the thing. I, we I'm have to be strategic do. about this then. Yeah. I need to not be the reason because it's all about me. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're all just, you know, a universe in my own head. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're welcome. Uh, I'm going to take one for the team and, and I'm going <laughs> to pick the Cardinals just to make sure that, that the Seahawks win. Mm-hmm. that's what i'm gonna do uh, that's a you're a great fan right i mean like i said you're welcome um so i in order to do that i'm gonna have to give the hawks like a 17 and the cards a 20 all right they'll beat us with you know some asshole field goal speaking of field goals last week we all picked the hawks to win yet again and yet again we were all right uh so so I was trying to figure out sort of the tiebreaker of, of whose who's prediction was best. And, um, well, I have to say that Curtis did call the Hawks score of 27. You all might recall that Daniel purposefully put a qualifier of two field goals for the G-men on his bet. Yeah. And he held the Giants to only 16 points. So um, I got to give it to Dan. Thank you. So and I will say, if Tyler Lockett caught that ball in the end zone, right? Uh, my my prediction might be right on the it's, money. It's a true story. Um, and I I also just want to say, so Alana and Dan, who have the exact same projection, if somebody wants to throw a qualifier on, you just let me know right now. Oh, I already did. Uh, Cardinals kick five field goals to get to that. That's right. I, I'm I'm uh, here's I'm my sorry, qualifier. Take it seriously, uh, five field goals. You got it. Yeah, I I predict uh, uh, Seahawks now. Gonna, <laughs> Seahawks are going to get a safety. Mm, okay, good yeah. good show, good show. Um, I also I wanted to call out something really quickly about Tyler Lockett because he's my pocket locket, and just say that what I saw the team do for him mm. absolutely touched my heart. I know it's all part of the culture that we talk about that we're also enamored of. Um, I, I looked at my, my husband and I said, just, just don't, he's having a bad day. Like, just don't give it to Tyler anymore. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's having a bad day. Cause he was playing so uncharacteristically. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, his first like lost fumble, a, a ball hit his hands. He doesn't drop balls. 
<laughs> right, um, right. But instead of going, hey, he's having a bad day and the rest of the team will just, you know, pick up the slack. They said, okay, we're just going to throw you another one. And that is, that just touched, like it touched my heart. I cried when he got that touchdown because yeah. that's the team that I'm so in love with. And it was basically the same exact play um, mm -hmm. from the one where he dropped the ball. I mean, yeah. like the same exact play. Uh, Gino told him, um, "I'm come, I'm, I'm coming to you next. You're gonna get it." You know, like when when he was comforting him on on the bench, he said, "You're gonna get it. I'm coming for you." Um, and then Pete Carroll, like just kneeling down in front of him, and you know, head to head. Um, that like I got for Clint, uh, watching that. And, you know, this is, a, a a man who loves Tyler, who loves his players. You can see mm -hmm. that Pete Carroll has a love for Tyler. Would you see Bill Belichick do that? Well, no, but you don't see Absolutely Bill Belichick not. smile. Right. I mean, would you see any other coach in the league? You know, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, I just thought that was, you know, Mike Holmgren, who Dan I love. Dan Campbell would. Dan, let's Dan, be real. Yeah, like, yeah, Dan Campbell sure. goes to battle with his guys. But, you know, like like Mike Holmgren, who I love, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett drops that ball in the end zone. And as soon as he comes to sideline, you know, Mike Holmgren is grabbing him by the face mask. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, other coaches put their star receivers in in garbage time and get them hurt. That's mm -hmm. that's you know that's the other way to go. The other thing I loved is that when Tyler Lockett got that redemption touchdown, it would everybody on the sideline was hugging him and high fiving him, like like the ball boy and the and the water boys and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like the camera guy. I I you know I, I and then the uh, defensive and then, players, right? And then just to see just to see Gino Tyler and DK uh, doing their presser uh, together. Um, after the game, um, I, I just shows you how much this team is connected. Um, you know, at first I was like, oh, this is a lot like that 2013 team, you know, that really was, was connected like that. But I think it's, it's, I think it's more like that 2022 Mariners team. Yeah. You know, I think, I think they're playing with the same abandon and fun and, um, and, and they love each other. Like that clubhouse is rocking and um, it's, you know, after a magical Mariners season to see a Seahawks season, that's kind of on the same trajectory of like underperforming and then finding a groove, uh, uh, you know, almost midway through um, this is, this is fun. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, for our um for our twelves of listeners, if you'd like to hear us compare the characters of these two beloved teams, go back right. to last week's pod. Go back to last week's pod. That's right. <laughs> um. Well, now we're halfway through the season. A little under. Did you halfway do a prediction, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Alana and I uh, have this have the same prediction. What, which was? I don't know. Okay. Uh, fifteen twenty three Hawks. Fifteen twenty three. Fifteen twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're halfway through, um, a little less than halfway through now that the, you know, the league added that extra, that, the, by the way, can I just say this, this whole like 17, it's going to be 18 in like three years. So like, yeah, it ha you know, it's bothering me. I, yeah. I don't, it's not symmetrical. Give no. me my, you know, a, a team has to go 500. Like, you yeah. know, it's bothering me anyway. And now, like, 
now we're eight games in and it's like, well, do we do, do we do the, the half the season uh, breakdown now, or do we wait till next week? Well, guess or what? Or do we wait till the week after for the bye? We're doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing it live. That's right. Millie, we had some predictions at the start of the season. What did those look like? Well, you all might recall that you all had eight and nine. Actually, all three of you chose an eight and nine season. I think um, I, I had nine and eight, didn't I? That is not what I have written. No, yeah. Copious, yeah. wonderful notes. We all <laughs> eight and nine, and I think Daniel, you and I predicted they'd get into the playoffs because of a shitty NFC. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, you do. Okay. Alana says uh, eight and nine, and we make the playoffs. And Curtis said eight and nine. I don't have anything about playoffs. Dan said eight and nine. I don't have anything about playoffs, but I wrote it down for you, Alana. Um, I don't. I don't know that anyone else actually. I, I think I was emphatic about the fact that the NFC sucked this year, and yeah, um, and they do, and they do. And they do. I um I had no faith, and uh, I <clears throat> predicted a five and twelve. So oh, well. they already have five. So you you're know, saying, Millie, that the Seahawks are lose going out. to lose out. No, not anymore. I'm not. I'm revising my predictions. Happily, happily revising my predictions. Um, because I I too have looked closely at this uh at this chart of games and I see a lot of potential. I think we're gonna win it in Germany. I think we're gonna win against the Raiders. I think we are going to win against the Panthers and the Niners and maybe the Jets and the Rams. It's a little iffy, but um, I can easily now see this team winning 10 games. I like Probably it. 11, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm saying they win 11 games and Pete Carroll gets coach of the year. I think if the Seahawks can break 10 games and get into the playoffs, Pete Carroll is a lock for coach of the year. So I'm saying 11 games. Uh, it was feeling a little bit like that 2011 Tarvars uh, Jackson, Charlie Whitehurst season to me. And now it's feeling a little more like that 2012, uh, you know, uh, rookie class uh, putting it together uh, season. And if you recall, they, they took 11 games and got into the playoffs that year. Curtis, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. Alana, go ahead. No, no, go for it, Curtis. Uh, God, maybe I'm the only one out of the four of us, but the Rams completely do not scare me at all this year. No, No, I'm the same. The 49ers scare me. Again, this is another team that has a super banged-up offensive line. I mean, I think one of the most underrated storylines of the Seahawks this year and their turnaround on the defense is how well their defensive tackles are like abusing guards and centers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think, and yeah, I'm going to say here, I'm going to say this. I am going to say that they are going to win 10 games in the NFC West. I think they're going to beat the Rams 
I think they're going to beat the 49ers. I think they're going to sweep the Cardinals. But I think there's going to be a game or two somewhere in there where a team that we're expecting them to handle sneaks up on them just because they're kind of young. Yeah, like yeah. I, can actually, I can actually see that PJ Walker kid coming up here with the Panthers and <laughs> Seattle just kind of looks past that game and, you know, and they drop it or something. Yeah. Like can that. I say this, I, what's this that? Seattle team feels like the team that's going to beat the chiefs and then like drop one to the Raiders. I, I it could, it could happen because they're a young roster still, yeah. you know, and stuff. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say conservatively, they're going to win 10 games. I think they can probably squeeze out more than that, but I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with 10 and seven and, and winning the NFC West. So you see him going five and four the rest of the way. That's what that, I mean, that's what 10 and seven equates to. So I'm, I'm curious, I hear you that, we could lose to anybody in any time. I'm curious, what are those four losses? Because you said yeah, we're going to beat the Rams I, I, and the Niners. Yeah, I let me look at this schedule. So we're right here. So now we're six and four. So I think that's six wins, seven wins, eight wins at LA. That's going to be a loss. So what's that? That's eight and four. Panthers. I'm going to say Panthers are going to surprise us. Okay. Because uh, I think that young quarterback is that. kind of hot. And they've got nothing to play. And, and they're playing for that sort of like, I think they can be kind of a dangerous team for some reason. Yeah. Uh, because they got rid of that bonehead coach and they're all probably playing for the new coach that's replaced them. Uh, I think we're going to beat the 49ers here. I think we're going to lose to the... Um, the Chiefs, I think we beat the Jets here because that's going to complete uh, Gino's revenge on all his former teams. <laughs> uh, and then I think we beat the Rams at the end. So how many is that? So that's eleven. That's eleven and six. Well, then my math is all wrong. Eleven. No, and no, six. no. I just I didn't. I, yeah. I see what you're saying ultimately, mm-hmm. and I've heard what you've been saying to, throughout. And then to come come with ten and seven didn't seemed to match up to me so math was never my objective so <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm a, I'm, a, I'm traversing and reversing i'm going to say seattle ends up 11 and 6 winning the nfc west that's gonna be fun i i, I also they, like uh the niners are on the rise so it's like uh, like we're going back in time 10 years ago yeah that's very true yeah i like it <laughs> i'm gonna go bold on this um and uh i don't see anybody sneaking by us because i see who the leadership on this team is like i think that with young teams that happens when everybody's young but we have quandre Diggs, and we have geno smith and we have bruce Irvin, and we have bk metcalf and we have tyler lockett and we have pete carroll and I think that and when Uncle we go Will. In, and Uncle Will. And I think when we go into games like that, and we have Al Woods, um, when we go in games like that Carolina game, I don't think we're going to let them sneak up on us. I think we're going to take them seriously because what has this team been about but proving people wrong? Mm-hmm. And that's a quality that's very true 
of the types of teams that don't don't lose those games. And so I think I think we've got two losses left on this take season. And I think those losses are KC and San Francisco. Like I think it'll suck to lose back to back. Um but I think I, I don't I could see us beating San Francisco at home. And if we do at that point, then that second loss is the Rams, uh, the at home, because at that, I mean, it, it won't matter because we'll have wrapped up the division um, uh, by week 17 or 18, whatever it is. Um, so I, I think we're going to go 12 and seven, but I think we're walking with a shitload of hardware. I think we're getting comeback player of the year, even though I don't think that that is in any way meaningful to Gino or in any way representative of what his story has been. Like, I think yeah. comeback player of the year is actually Saquon Barkley because he came back from an injury. What did Gino come back from being benched? Like, and not even really that he's been a journeyman backup quarterback. I think we've got that locked up. I think we've got offensive rookie of the year already locked up. I think we've got defensive rookie of the year close to locked up. I think we've got coach of the year, I agree. If they get to 12 and five, like there's no reason it's not, it's not um, key. And I think we've got the executive of the year locked up. If, if oh, John 100%, Schneider, 100%. that's the one, like if he's not executive of the oh. year, that, that particular award is broken. It totally. Um, and I think we walk into the playoffs as the number two seed. I don't think that Philly is going to lose enough games to overtake them. Uh, but I do think Minnesota will. Um, I think Philly is uh, an exceptionally strong team um, across across the board. And so I think any sort of playoff, you know, runs through Philly. And I think Philly is having one of those magic years uh, just as a, as a whole city because their soccer team did better than ever. Their baseball teams in the World Series. Uh, leading 2-1. Leading 2-1. <laughs> not expected to win so i i think i think we go in as the two seed and i don't, I don't know what happens in the playoffs but I, I i think that i think we got a lot of noise left to make and man i i i uh i think the team absolutely has that potential um yeah uh man i'm just looking forward to another half of football um so, you know, this is a nice moment just to talk about um, what we've seen so far and, and, and what we think is going to happen in the next half of the year. <laughs> so I just want to give it up. Like, what were, what were some of the most surprising things uh, this season in terms of, you know, players or um, record or plays or anything like that. Uh, Curtis, I'll serve it up to you. Um, what's, what's been, what's been the, the most shocking thing to you so far? Geno Smith by far yeah. and away. Uh, it's yeah. just, I, I, none of us, none of us here. I don't think most fans of this team believed that he was going to be capable of doing what he's, he's been doing. I don't think anybody did. I mean, I, I didn't I, think know. he was, I didn't, I didn't think he was necessarily going to be a bad. I thought he was, right. I, I I thought he had the potential of adequate, you know, I thought he had the potential of like, Oh, he could game manage. We might be competitive. You know, we might yeah. get to- Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Sure. The ceiling was Jimmy Garoppolo like that. and that would have been great. He's, he's through eight games. He's, he's, He's the second 
best quarterback in the league by he's an mvp candidate he's He's, an mvp he'll never get it but he absolutely should get votes yeah Yeah. and that's 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 something that i i mean right now i am i am like i mean i am like chomping at the bit and pounding the table for like that uh in anticipation of Seattle signing him to what yeah. I think is probably going to have to be a long-term contract. I don't yeah. think it's a two-year thing because they're not going to be able to afford him on a short-term thing because of <laughs> right. budget restraints. They need to sign him to probably like a four-year contract yeah. to give them cap relief in, 23, in 2023 to sign the other guys and stuff. Like they're going to have to give a bunch of money upfront and guarantees and to lower the cap hit next year. And then they're going to have to float that money down through 2025, 2026. Probably. What do you think that looks like? Third, like 30 mil a year, four year contract right now, right now. I think if, as, as I understand it, if they were to use the franchise tag, it would just be over. It'd be about $31 million. I think that is the starting talking point. Yeah. that Seattle comes into, but if they're going to start conversations right now, which I think they would be smart to do it right now, 100%. because if he sustains this and if he, and if they go on a deep playoff run and if he is getting MVP votes, then he can, I mean, he can absolutely ask for, you know, $40 million easy, yeah. you know, which they can afford to do at they spread that, through the course of like four years, but yeah. I almost wonder and if Gino's I, the I, kind I, of I'm, guy I'm to take completely, that. I, I'm completely in support of that if he plays to that level. Like that's 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 the market for a top end quarterback. That's what you pay. Yeah. You know, that's how it's set. Yeah. yeah. I almost wonder if, if Gino would take the home team discount. I think he, I, I mean, I would be thrilled if he got 40 a year, but it, it almost seems to me like Gino's like that blue collar <laughs> kind of guy who, who wants yeah. to surround himself with that talent and would, and would take like the 32 mil a year. Possibly, taking 28 here's, the, here's the thing I would just say with that real quickly. Um, and I, and, and you all know this to be true. I'm, I'm like the biggest Seahawks plant, the Seahawks fan probably out there. One of the biggest, absolutely. Like, there's very little outside of my own flesh and blood uh, that I care about more than the Seattle Seahawks. Um, (laughs) I would never ask or expect a top end player, especially a top end player of color to take a hometown discount. And a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I am like, he, he, if, if his, if his level of play is, uh, is MVP level. Um, he needs to maximize those dollars for himself. Well, especially playing, you know, a 10 year career. Contract. Yeah. Okay. Playing a 10 year career of, of, yeah, like, this is his last contract I where, you, you know, it's, he's making two, three, five million a year or whatever he is like, Gino, get your bag of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could, he could, he could get a second contract after this. I mean, quarterbacks play later. Especially since he and he doesn't have seven years. Yeah. But I say, I say, no, he needs, he needs, he needs to get his and Seattle needs to do it. Right. You know, I mean, they, they can, you know, well, and they they can. Yeah. And I mean, they got so many players on a rookie contract. Right. So Mm -hmm. Um, I, Alana, uh, what has been, uh, what, what has been your biggest surprise or, or best, uh, you know, moments? 
So I, I do want to, I do want to, I have one thing I want to say about Gino, and it's a little bit of the rubbing in variety. Um, I didn't, I, for the record, I did not think he would do this. I, I was pushing for um, trading for Baker Mayfield uh, in our, in our pre-game or pre-season chat. Um, and because I uh, understand that the Seahawks love a redemption story um, and could, could make that sort of thing work. Uh, and I just thought that Baker would be that guy as opposed to Gino being that guy. And I was wrong, you know, great. My mea culpa, um, Gino proved me wrong. Uh, but I just, I, I want, I want him to get an MVP vote. I want him to get one. Just MVP one out of that pettiness for Russ. Out of the pettiness for Russ. <laughs> yeah, because me too. He, he whined for 10 years <laughs> through his agent about not yeah. getting that one vote. Yeah. And the media was talking about it so long for him to leave, get zero votes with Denver because he's not going to get a vote. Um, uh, and then for his backup from the last two years, I think it's been two years to get an MVP vote and have an mm. outstanding season. Mm. Oh, it's just. Russell, by the way. Oh no, go ahead. And to do it because he committed to the concept that Shane Waldron was pushing. Like, yeah. I, we didn't see that last year, and now we're seeing it this year. We see, we're seeing what Shane Waldron's offense is. So when it comes to surprises, backing up to the question, that defense man, the, the oh. in-season adjustment mm -hmm. from the worst defense in the league to legitimately top five, um, just in terms of DVOA and all those yeah, absolutely stuff, like how, how that's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And, like we could talk, we could look, we could pour over stats for hours and not find something like that. Like we have, we have seen poor starts to the descent defense, poor starts for the offense, then turn it around. But turning it around typically means jumping from 24 to 12. Right. right. Turning it around means uh, Russell stopped throwing interceptions um, or whatever, whatever the case may be, or turning it up in in November and December. This is like legitimately the worst defense in football turning into legitimately the best yes. over the course of a three week transition. Yes. And without like padded practice in season, you know, right. Um, how 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 like, it's crazy like it's, they've only given up four touchdowns in the last three games right and this is after losing what everybody recognized was their best defensive player Jamal <laughs> right. in week yeah. one in the first half of the first game of week one and you know why bet is just like rooting these guys on is jamal adams like totally i, I know him to be a guy about his guys and this team is his guys. Oh, I um, follow him on Instagram and he is like the biggest Seahawks cheerleader every week. It's really fun to watch. Uh, you, it, it, he loves that team. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the, finally just the love that they, I mean, you're absolutely right that this is Mariners read us and like seeing it and, and feeling it again so soon after the Mariners team was eliminated and, and just seeing that magic transfer from the Mariners to the Seahawks. 
Like it's so it's much special. so that the refs thought it was the Mariners. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. So that's my that's my vibe on this season. Yeah, I like it. Um, I I don't know if this is my biggest surprise, but it's maybe my favorite moment is seeing Pete Carroll energized like he was 10 years ago again Mm -hmm. like Pete Carroll's always got like that positive energy but he's bouncing around again he's like throwing fist bumps um he is fired up in the locker room and then he had uh he had a quote that I have never heard from Pete Carroll before and he said you know before we came into this season Everybody was saying this guy's a dinosaur. He runs the ball too much. That's bull crap. And you can see it happening uh, on that field right now. And I've never seen Pete with a chip on his shoulder like that. Mm -hmm. And that is fueling this team right now. And I know Pete is getting off on it too. And the whole thing is just fun to watch. And I know like that relationship with Pete and Gino and sh- and having that in common. Um, oh man, I, I don't know. It, it feels like uh, this is just Pete's team again. And um, in ways that it maybe hasn't been in the past. Uh, I, maybe everybody on that team is just buying in again, like they did in the early tens. Um, but, oh man, uh, I love watching it. Um, uh, Pete Carroll's influence is all over that team. And if, you know, Jody wants to give him another extension, so he's here till he's 90 years old, I, I, I give it to him. I'm here for it. I love Pete Carroll best coach of the Seattle Seahawks, give him a statue outside of uh, the stadium. Um, I I'm team Pete Carroll all the way. Miller, I think he got? can coach into his eighties. I uh, easily a hundred percent convinced he can coach into his eighties. Same. I, I yep. So I, I would say, um, you know, to me, and I, I, I think on some level we're all in agreement in starting with Geno Smith is the biggest, most wonderful surprise of the season. And I, I guess I just want to apologize to Geno because I believed in him last season. And I remember when he Mm. came in on our pod, I I have this very clear memory because we were all so down and Dan was like, come on, Millie, give us some Give us some positive. And I was like, <laughs> let me tell you about Eugene Cyril Gino Smith the third. Here's all the great reasons why you we all just need to relax. And I I wish I could have had that belief coming into this season because um all of those things are happening. All of those reasons why he could have won all of those games when um when Russell was out those are all happening for him now but the difference to me does seem to be because those games were so close Mm -hmm. the difference is he is probably he's still that guy and he was that guy last year but now he gets the reps and now he's got a defense that is also firing and so they are the other half of the equation of the the biggest most wonderful surprises is is that this defense caught up yeah and i think they have like the full go ahead after the first few games that was my my concern i mean we all got on here and we're like this defense no 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 and uh 
you know, you, you all had some suggestions and, and a lot of it is, is what ended up happening wonderfully, which was, you know, they just need to have a conversation about what the actual talents are of these very talented people. <laughs> and, and from what we've heard, that's kind of what happened was let's just play to the talent that we have. And then lo and behold, we have a rookie class that is out of sight when you let them show you what they can do and invest in it. So it's just a team that's firing on all cylinders. And I think that's, that's my, my favorite thing about it is just seeing these, these uh, players shine and, and love on each other in such a lovely way. Yeah. And like that, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014 class, um, we're looking at a bunch of those players on defense going like, oh, this is a defense of nobodies that's like overperforming. Isn't this great? And then it's like, oh, these aren't nobodies. We just didn't know who they were. We have a team of blue chippers. And that's what this defense is turning out to be. Um, <laughs> you know, when the draft happened uh we i i mean i i i think i can safely say all four of us were over the moon about how john schneider and pete carroll drafted but i don't think any of us knew how well they drafted like like i thought it was good and then this rookie like i had expectations like high expectations for this rookie class and then they exceeded them I, I thought Tariq Woolen was a project who was going to break out in, you know, his third season. I didn't think he was going to get the start. And then I didn't think he was going to have four interceptions, you know, in the first half of the season and be on his way to competing with Sauce Gardner for offensive uh, or a defensive rookie of the year. Um, man, that's incredible. And I just can't wait. I mean, I, I know Boye Mafe is just an, a, a game <clears> away <throat> from having his breakout. I was just talking to Curtis um, before we started this pod. I really believe that Boye Mafe is going to end this season around eight sacks. I just feel like it's coming. Like he's going to have that breakout game and then he's just going to blow up with, with those sacks. Um, and then Uchenna, uh, who like... <laughs> You know, it was like, okay, this guy sounds cool. We got in a cool free agent. That's cool. And then he ends up being like, I don't know. Can we call him the Seahawks defensive MVP already? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and well, I I would push back a little bit on that and saying that I think I, I really believe that Tariq Woolen uh, does a lot for that defense to enable Achina to oh, totally, do totally, some of the things totally, that he's doing. Totally. Um, but Uchenna, Richard Sherman right was now, talking about that on his podcast. That exactly. already well, it's how the whole thing kind of marries together. Yeah. yeah, I saw something that was on Twitter that somebody posted a graphic after Bradley Chubb was traded to uh, Miami the Dolphins. Yeah, earlier today, and it lists it listed the top five um, edge rushers, pass rushers uh, in the whole entire league in terms of pass rush win, win rates and chubb was right there at like four or five uh nuoso was number one yeah wow. yeah like we didn't need to trade for a bradley chubb because we essentially we have already have him better player right mm -hmm. now on the roster pass rushing for us yeah 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 uh, one thing that i really 
Go ahead, Millie. I, I was going to move on just a teensy bit in, in that there is one other thing um, this season that is an absolute bright light highlight for me. And it is the highlight of every Thursday, which is um, Marshawn oh, yeah. Lynch's and Yo City <laughs> segments. Um, yeah. I love them I show them to other people the most recent one was um him as uh Captain Black Sparrow you know they wanted (laughs) him to be Captain Beast Mode that's what they put on the thing that's what they put on his locker was Captain Beast Mode and within minutes he's like I'm Captain Black Sparrow and he's running around (laughs) doing the walk and the run and he's trying to do his whole Johnny Depp thing and He's so much fun. He's mm-hmm. such a bright light. And I love that the, the NFL community of fans is learning about him. We all knew mm-hmm. this about Marshawn. We knew he's not just, um, you know, I'm just here so I don't get fined, mm-hmm. which was hilarious. But we knew a lot more about the personality behind mm-hmm. it, right? And, and mm-hmm. you saw sparks of it if, if you were someone who watched a show like The League, where he would do cameos. <laughs> it was so mm-hmm. good, yeah. He is an actor at heart, which is probably mm-hmm. why we all are gravitate to him so much. Totally. But he is smart and hilarious. And it's just a joy to watch him do these segments where he meets people. He went out in uh in florida and went uh on an airboat to find gators he was <laughs> terrified yeah. to touch them but he did it and then once he did it of course you know he's like trying to put the beast mode hat on it um it's just so fun and i i'm just really enjoying sort of the, the rest of the world finding out just how great he is um beyond being this great football player and he's I, filming I, a whole thing uh, in Germany. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, I cannot wait for the Munich one. It's going to be so yeah. good. Yeah, I wanted I to say some oh, early highlight. They did some uh, reel on that already, and, and it's, yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about understanding football and like what it means to understand defense uh, and how much I appreciate this particular team for teaching me about how the different levels of defense interact. And part mm-hmm. of that is having somebody like Curtis to have this conversation with on a regular basis, both in chat and in this, um, in our uh, podcast. But another part of it is they have made it so clear by the way that the defense runs and the way the defense exists, what each level is doing to support the whole team mm-hmm. and you can see when a linebacker doesn't do their job and a tight end gets free and Tyreek Wollin is kind of in a position of having to cover a tight end and can't quite do it um you can see when uh why you're not sending safeties blitzing on a regular basis because of where you need them on the field to control the run and you can see how each piece of the defense it's like it's like a cat's cradle in that when you move one, somebody else has to move two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and everybody is moving and flexible around each other and around their skill sets. And because of Pete's um, genius at recognizing and understanding 
what makes each individual on a team special and giving them the key to unlocking that specialness. I can see how a defense is supposed to work. I can see how this um, three, four, correct? We're in a three, four modified three, four. Or is it a modified? Uh, they go back and forth between. Okay, so we're in, we're in kind of this realm. I can see how that defense is supposed to work. I understand now what it means to be three technique and what it means to be, you know, five foot in the ground. Four. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm just it, it. It reminds me, as a football fan, that I never want. I w- I always want my door to be open. I always want to share my appreciation for this game for any sport, frankly, with people who don't know that's, and that's a core tenant for me. That's a big part of the reason I want to do this podcast. Like you don't have to know about football. You don't have to understand uh, a seam route or a go route or a button route or um, any of those things. You don't have to understand what offsides is. You can watch the game, see what happens not understand it quite, but notice who's cheering and why they're cheering and understand why they're cheering. And I don't like, it's, it's so important to me to not be like bandwagon fan, like that, that the gatekeeping of fandom is, is like, I have a vendetta against it, against the idea. And I just want everybody to come. And that's why I'm so focused on personality. I want people to see how much these people care about this game, how much they care about each other, and how much they care about the city that we're in. Um, and, and I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that show up all the time. And it's wonderful. And, and it makes me feel like maybe we're not in a pandemic anymore, even though we <laughs> totally are. Uh, and I just, I, I want that, I want to share that appreciation with everybody. And I'm grateful that Pete exists so that we can have the opportunity to have these discussions and then discussions with other people as well. I agree. One of my favorite things about um, that, you know, first Pete Carroll team, that LOB team was how so many of my friends who weren't football fans, who weren't Seahawks fans, became Seahawks fans because of Pete Carroll and the personalities uh, of those players. And then obviously because, you know, they're going to Super Bowls and winning them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I, I know, like, you know, the, the, the Seahawks fans got a lot of flack out of that because we got a lot of quote unquote, I, I, I hate the term bandwagon fans and I wish it didn't exist, but we got, you know, quote unquote, a ton of bandwagon fans because of that team. I love that. I love it because that was just more people I could like share my love of football with. It was like a bunch of people in our theater community, you know, theater mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like a sports community, but it became one. Uh, oh, and, I can't uh, tell you how many people that Previous to the LOB era, knowing that I was a football fan and a Seahawks fan, like would just avoid that topic at all ends. Probably avoid me at all ends, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. You know, and then all of a it sudden, it was you like, and me having a smoke outside the stage room door, dorking exactly. Out me, but I was there too. You and Alexander. You know? Yeah, I was there in that era too. Yeah, and, and and but anyhow, uh, you know, Marshawn happens, Richard happens, Doug happens, Russ happens, and then all of a sudden, all these people out of the woodworks is just like, "Hey, Curtis, what do you think about this? What do you think?" You know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's how essentially my blog started about was yeah. just 
because you know people wanted my thoughts and musings and stuff about what was going on you know so. it's fun i yeah. enjoy it um i used uh, to host super bowl parties and i stopped because i was the only one who actually wanted to watch the game I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's why I stopped going to Super Bowl parties because I was the only one watching the game. I felt like a nerd, what, like what? actually watching a game during a Super Bowl party. We watched we um, when we had the space in the second Seahawks Super Bowl. Sorry, third Seahawks Super Bowl, second in a row, um, and we hooked up the projector and streamed it uh, live on the projector. We didn't charge anything. We just had a bunch of people, um, and there was a bunch of people who were like what you were talking about Curtis like introduced to football during because of Marshawn Lynch because of Richard Sherman etc I have never felt more I have never felt something as unique as when they that uh curse catch mm. um followed by the interception because mm. we were as high as you can possibly get on the Seahawks mm -hmm. And then he threw the interception and every bit of energy <laughs> sapped out of the room. And because every single person in that room was engaged with the game. Yep. Uh, and it was a bit, such a unique experience. And I, I, you know, I want more Super Bowls like that. I want more. Yeah. And, and like, it's, it's such a memorable experience for me, even though we lost and like, I'm okay that we lost. That's the oh. story that that's there. I'll take a devastating loss in the Super Bowl over not going to a Super Bowl. 100%. That's what makes sports. Because you know what? Like the game before that, uh, we got oh, the highest God. of the highs when yeah. you know we we came back with eight minutes in the fourth quarter to win that game. Ugh, I mean, Ryan, that's baby. why I love sports. Yeah, totally. And curse. Speaking of curse, catching that uh, overtime ball. Ah, I love sports. Yeah. Yep. Any last thoughts? Uh, we're going to get to do this again next year for the Mariners, and it's going to be so special. It's going to be so good. Oh, man. We're going to beat the Astros uh, in the playoffs to go to the World Series. That's what's going to go on. Uh, yeah. That's my prediction. Write it down, Millie. That's my prediction for uh, I'm Mariners. on the same page as you. you got to slay the <laughs> demon before you can eat That's the right. candy. Well, just like the Seahawks did to the 49ers to get to the right. Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. Should we get in some Dorkin? Sure. sure. Uh, can I start it off? You know what I'm dorking out about? Fucking vote. That's what I'm dorking out about. Vote your mind out. You got till tomorrow, right? Is it tomorrow? No, it's the second Tuesday. No. The second Tuesday. I don't know anymore yeah. because here in the commie Washington, we get to vote uh, by mail. So I voted literally the evening I got that ballot. So vote your minds out. There's a lot at stake. Yeah, that's what I'm voting. That's what I'm talking about. Millie, what do you got? I don't know. My mind is really from your vote. I'm like, yeah, one more week of these commercials about. Oh, and the, and the, the endless texts, the endless texts that I get. Ah, just stop already. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really just can't wait for it to be over. Honestly, oh, that's okay, Millie. Three that. months later, we're going to get uh, the you know the the presidential season. So. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say this. I, I, 
I vote it every every time there's an election. I vote. I've always voted. That's my. I, I feel it, it's my duty as a citizen of this country yes. to vote. But I freaking hate this season because of those endless mm-hmm. same. Stuff. If there's one thing that I would love to see absolutely accomplished someday politically in this country is that we get the fucking money out of politics and the oh advertisements God. and all this sort of bullshit because it's, yeah. I mean, it's no wonder we're on the break it's no there's no wonder that some nut job went into the house of the speaker of the house and beat the shit out of her husband out of her husband yeah. all these fucking hate ads and everything yeah. and they all tied back to pelosi every single fucking like, one of them and i hate it and i know everybody's got their own you know the, the, they've got their own flavor of how they want to vote and they they have and they have their own positions but i would just love to see i would just love to see all that gone on both sides of the fence <laughs> and like agree, you know right? and just like have fucking conversations with your neighbors instead of like giving them side eye and all this sort of shit because oh of how you think they fucking vote like i just i'm sick of it i fucking hate this time of the year i really do some people hate christmas some people hate halloween some people hate the fourth of july i hate fucking voting season because Same. of all the shit i hate all of those, all of those things curtis I'm such i know weird. but like it's if, just if like i, I, I just and I'm I'm fine with how people want to hate the holidays. I just I cannot stand this time of the year because I feel like every passing year, you know, we're just on the verge of, you know, being further and further at each other's fucking throats. And I think it's gross, you know. Agreed. Yeah. And if I don't have to see another fucking Tiffany Smiley political ad on my local sports, just I'd like, can we just all agree? No political ads on sports i'm sick of it i I, like every time i have to mute the tv and you have these like over actors like oh the homeless people are raping our children shut up for fentanyl oh oh, i'm done with it yeah that's what i'm dorking out about you sure are um and we all are and it, it, it can't be over soon enough um as far as uh any kind of pop culture entertainment um i've been watching the the cabinet of curiosities a little bit at a time oh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, i have yet to watch cool. one that uh that makes me go wow that was so cool mm. um but uh they're really interesting uh, it's nice to sort of get such a, a variety a variety of, of directors and and story types um, it reminds me of reading um, those anthologies that you, at least I used to read mm-hmm. when I used to read, uh, <laughs> short stories that were sort of a genre short stories mm-hmm. where they would get a piece from all kinds of different, usually for me it was hor- quote unquote horror writers, mm-hmm. but th- you know their short stories are, are all over the map with what horror means to them. Mm-hmm. So it reminds me a lot of that. Um, so I'm really enjoying that, and I'm really, I'm really digging the uh, the peripheral on Amazon, which is only dropping one episode a week, um, and boy, is that hard. But uh, so far, Amazon, get it together. Just give me. I want to binge it all in one night. Come on, man. I know, I know. I, I. Really funny. I have a totally different viewpoint on that. The uh, <laughs> the every now and then I just wish I could watch you know at least two in a row. And yeah. every now and then they'll stack up. So it's almost like that. Oh, I still have another one to watch. Um, it's, it's got a lot of the, the same sort of visual feel as Westworld, but we're starting over. 
um, it's a lot of the same people. Um, we're starting from scratch and uh, it's, it's a really interesting world building that they're doing and the, the, the story is intriguing. So I give that a recommend. Fun. Um, Cabin of Curiosities is Netflix, right? Correct. Yeah. And Guillermo <laughs> del Toro, he kind of plays the Rod Serling sort of role. It, he reminds me actually, for me, it was Alfred Hitchcock that I thought of. Ah, um, yeah. With, with introducing the, he has the cabinet and he shows a, a, a curious piece that would be in the cabinets. Uh -huh. And then he introduces the name of the piece and the director. Oh, I love that. I love Guillermo del Toro so much. Um, yeah, I got to check that out. Uh, Lana, what are you darking out about? So um, there's, it's funny because we, we're just coming out of a real dead season for us in terms of uh, the media that we've been consuming. So we were like, we were watching The Patient for a while, um, which we enjoyed. Uh, and then Avenue 5 started. And like, if you want some uh, stupid ass comedy, just dumb, dumb, dumb. But in a really fun way, I I'm a fan of what we do in the shadows. You know, it's 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 not quite to the same level as what we do in the shadows. But it's the basic conceit is, uh, uh, space crews gets knocked off course, and it's by Armando Iannucci, um, who did Veep, who did In the Loop, who did uh -huh. In the Thick of It, um, a bunch of like British and American shows. Uh, so it's known for zingy. Uh, zippy dialogue and um, innatity from people in power um, and it's got a really good cast the first season was okay uh, I was very surprised that there was a second season and it's been a laugh riot this year um, just because it's one of the, with especially with a sitcom uh, you need you need some time to for it to like joke Mike sure at one point said uh, I feel like what we should do with every single sitcom is film 10 episodes, throw those away, and then film 10 more. And that totally. 10, 11th episode is your pilot uh, because you just need to build the chemistry and understand how the people work together. But beyond that, um, the other thing that I, I'm enjoying that quite a bit, uh, but I'm, and I think I mentioned I'm enjoying Ghosts quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. but The Vow on HBO Max season two, it's about Nexium. Um, and it's about this whole cult scandal, um, and it's oh it's yeah, Nexium is the uh, the kind of like Ranieri. The, yes, they that was claim... the one that 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 uh, that woman who was in Battlestar Galactica. Mac. Yeah, Al's, she oh, yeah, was all Nikki caught Klein. up in that. Yeah, Nikki Klein was caught. Did they in get that. to the trial? In, in they are in. The, they didn't get to the trial in season one, and they're doing the trial in season two. Yeah. But the cameras weren't allowed inside, so they're doing this. They, they made a really dumb choice, which is to take like courtroom uh, sketches and then animate them for yeah. some conversations. And I was like, "This is real cheesy." Um, <laughs> but this last episode that they did was all about how DOS, which is like the ESP, sorry ESP, which is the actual therapeutic or you know take control of your life segment of of the organization made claims that they could cure Tourette's um and like it was deeply offensive the way they approached this as wow. though having Tourette's was made you broken uh right. and unable to function like there are there are levels of Tourette's and OCD that make because of it, it, they addressed it as though the problem was internal instead of external 
right? That the problem was not other people judging you for interacting with the world as you interact with the world, but rather that it was something you could conquer and fix in yourself right. and the language that was being used and then doing it in that way, but then also saying, because we cured Tourette's and then and like people being absolutely unable to understand why sometimes the methodology matters and sometimes the people who are executing the methodology matters. And if those people are also running a sex cult, then maybe it's not the solution that you think it is. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was it was like, I don't know, it, it kind of ravaged me emotionally that episode last night um, in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, and so I'm deeply looking forward to Mythic Quest coming back in a week and a half. I uh, am too. I love the shit out of that it's show. It's so good. It's it's, it's so like, good. It's on the same level for me as Ted Lasso. Agreed. On Apple TV. So like, yes. Watch it and and see if you like it. It's very good. It's and very no, very and, good. And no F Murray Abraham anymore because he me tooed his his way out of there. Ah, uh, did F Murray get me tooed? He did, but he's on um, White Lotus at the same time. Oh, I so, love Matt Murray Abraham. I know. Oh, that's too bad. Um, oh, that's too bad. He's in a cabinet sad. of curiosities. Oh, funny. <laughs> is he? Um, uh, so that Nexium uh, show, is that a docu-series? It's a docu-series. It's a season two of a docu-series. That's crazy. That that sounds right. really, really fascinating to me. I, um, I highly recommend it. Great. Uh, Curtis, what do you got? Uh, I just have a quick question real quick before I say what I've enjoyed. Uh, who, is, who, is, who is the actress from... Battlestar Galactica that this is a part of? Nikki Klein. Klein. Which one she was um she was like the assistant mechanic behind that yeah. one blocky guy. She was um, like the junior engineer, and then okay. she ended up having a baby with uh I can't remember who it was. Yeah, with Master oh, with him, I think, with Master yeah. Chief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's been years. Yeah. I back anyway, yeah. No, she got caught up in that cult and then was like recruiting underage girls to have sex with people, and it was a whole thing. She, and she remember. was not one who got really wrapped. It was Allison Mack who um, took was most the, of the big one. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's wackadoo. It's yeah. it's wackadoo. It's very wackadoo. Uh, wackadoo stuff. Uh, here. Well, speaking of wackadoo, here's what I enjoyed last night. Um, I uh, it was Halloween, and uh, the house had finally settled in, and I thought I was gonna watch some sort of horror thing, and I opted for this documentary movie on Prime that I knew came out in the theaters here locally because it was shot here locally, up in North Bend, and it's a documentary called um, Hunting Bigfoot. Oh yeah. And um, uh, not to uh, lay any judgment on anybody that, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, I, it's this, 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 this sort of hits home a little bit kind of close to me because I actually have a very good friend, a very close friend that I've known for many, many years who, um, who is a Bigfoot hunter. And um, he's a super intelligent, bright human being who's been very successful with his life. Um, and uh, something happened in his childhood 
to which they were traveling on a uh, mountain highway with a bunch of other cars and some large thing walked across the road at night by pedal and stopped a bunch of cars and everybody got out of the car and looked to look at it and, and was basically universally going like what the fuck was that and this happened when he was about eight years old and for pretty much his whole entire life i mean he's an avid 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 hiker and he goes up there and he sets cameras up and he looks for this thing and this movie is about a group of people um in these cascade regions that have dedicated and are hyper um obsessed in their lives with going out there and um and trying to find evidence of bigfoot and so this film is actually a character study of these people mm -hmm. and um uh i would say for any listener out there um you know if this perks your curiosity mildly give it a shot because um it's really interesting to see what these people go through in their lives mm -hmm. uh, and there's 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 you know there is case studies of like sort of common sort of things that they all sort of have um and the conclusion of the film uh had me going like holy fuck what the fuck and i i'm not going to give any spoilers to it at all but um it was wonderfully done and uh i know that this had played at the uh, movie theater out here in West Seattle uh, about a year or so ago. And I was thinking of my friend and I wanted to go see it, but because of pandemics and everything like that, I opted not to, but I'm glad I had the opportunity uh, to do that. And um, yeah, I think it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting documentary. Hunting Bigfoot is the name Hunting of it. Bigfoot. And it's available. It's great. Yeah, and no, it was shot, think, in uh, and it's about, it's about, as uh, one individual in particular. And, mm -hmm. The story is very interesting. I think uh, I think everybody should have their their white whale. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what my white whale is? Affordable rent. That's mm. My white whale. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm that looking for. It's a lot of people's white whale. <laughs> that's all I want. Work life balance. That's my other one. <laughs> they should make a documentary about that. Anyway, working on, on working the right nonprofit, and you'll have work life balance. <laughs> Run your I'll, own I'll, landscaping business. I'll I'll put a go. tough shed out in my backyard, and uh, charge you uh, eight hundred bucks a month. You know, maybe uh, uh, you can you can dress it up and attract some Bigfoot. You know, they might like a little home yeah, yeah. In, a, in a little shed like that um hey uh, that's right you should check out curtis's blog 12life.com he's always got some great stuff in there maybe he's gonna write some stuff about the seahawks friggy class i don't know um uh this was really fun once again my name is daniel for uh curtis alana millie the rest of the 12s saying goodbye and go hawks go hawks go, go hawks, hawks.